0: So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. Well, good morning,
1: everyone. Let's turn in our Bibles today to Luke chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 21 and only going to look at a couple of verses this morning, but uh, I think that these are important verses. And, you know, Steve had just said, man, as he was praying, praying for our country and uh, praying just for our world right now. And, And I'm going to tell you, I think that what we're going to look at this morning is something that that's much needed amongst believers uh, in particular, so that we can be the light in darkness, so that we can be the salt uh, that the world would see and thirst for as well. And so let's take a look this morning. We're going to pick up in verse 21. We've been dealing, as you know, in the previous weeks uh, with John the Baptist, and he's out baptizing with this baptism of repentance, but it tells us in verse 21, when all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning, and as we come now to your Word, we ask that you just lead us by your Spirit, help us to understand the truths again that you have placed here, Lord, sometimes truths that we tend to overlook. And I pray this morning, Lord, you'd draw our attention to all of the nuances, all of the things included in those few verses, uh, Lord, that really have an impact on our lives as well. Lord, open our hearts and open our spirits this morning and work through the power of your Holy Spirit in our life this morning that we would understand what it is that you're saying to us individually. Lord, it's the living stones that comprise your church and corporately as your church, as the body of Christ. Speak to us today, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you, I am well pleased. And so, as the people respond to John the Baptist's call for repentance of ba- and baptism, alone comes Jesus, Along comes Jesus, the one whose sandal strap John had previously said he is unfit to tie. And Luke does not cover this event in the same detail as the other gospel writers do, other than John, who doesn't cover it at all. But of all the gospel writers, uh, Matthew actually gives us the most detailed account, which which is, I think, worth looking at this morning. Um, if you'll turn with me very quickly to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Keep your finger back in Luke. We're going to come back to Luke, but to just flip over for a moment to Matthew chapter 3. I think that by looking at Matthew's account, it fills in some of the pieces for us that uh, aren't quite covered here in, in, in Luke's account, but they're important to what's happening. It'll give us a good backdrop to it, but Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, it tells us there, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. Matthew tells us that as Jesus shows up in the crowd to be baptized that John clearly is shocked by what Jesus is doing. I mean you can almost hear the the shock in 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 John's voice here as he says to him, "I need to be baptized by you and are you coming to me? You're coming to me for this?" Now, I suspect that John always knew that there was something different about his cousin Jesus. Remember they're cousins. And and he probably knew that there was something different about him. They grew up together to some degree, I, you know. Maybe they played together. Maybe they spent some time together. But but apparently, up until this moment, he didn't fully realize who Jesus really was. But but the truth of Jesus' identity is now becoming very clear to him. And as such, John reacts to his request for baptism with with surprise and and really with hesitation. Now, wouldn't you? I mean, think about this for a minute, wouldn't you? I mean, after all, John's baptism is a baptism of repentance, right? And and what is Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, the pure and, and spotless Lamb of God, God in the flesh, what does he have to repent of? This does raise the question, why did Jesus come to be baptized? Why why was it necessary for him to submit himself to this act of of repentance and cleansing? I mean, mean, at first glance, it seems that Jesus' baptism serves no purpose at all. Again, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance, but Jesus was sinless and he had no need of repentance. I I just want to take a sidetrack just for a second to say to you that There is a growing teaching in Christianity, and I I don't understand how this could even begin to blossom within Christianity to any extent, but there there is a growing trend of believers who are beginning to teach and to suggest, and it's always been there, but it just seems to be getting more pronounced as time goes by, that, that Jesus really wasn't sinless. That that the fact that, yes, he was God, but the fact that he came in human flesh made him sinful, and so therefore he needed to be cleansed of his sin as well. I'm just going to tell you that that's blasphemous. It's not true. It's not scripturally true. I'm not just saying because I don't like the idea. I'm saying it because the scriptures are very clear about that. I mean, Jesus is called the, the the spotless Lamb of God. The one who was without sin, we're told in Scripture, who the only sin he carried was our sin upon himself as he hung upon the cross. That was a willingness to bear our sin. In other words, to take our place so that he would pay the penalty for our sin so that we could be set free from that penalty. But it wasn't that Jesus had sin. He had no sin. He was sinless. And this is why John is shocked. Even John is taken aback by Jesus' coming to him in large part because John recognized his own personal sinfulness and was aware that as a sinful man in need of repentance himself, he was unfit to baptize the spotless Lamb of God. That's why he says to Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Do you, the spotless Lamb of God, the one without sin, come to me? So then we have to ask the question, if Jesus had no sin to be cleansed of, what was the point of Jesus being baptized? Well, Jesus answers this for us in his response to John. Look on at what he says in verse 15 of Matthew chapter 3. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness then he allowed him. Jesus' answer was uh, a simple one. And what his answer is, it needed to happen simply because it was fitting to fulfill all righteousness. If you underline your your Bibles, underline that. Jesus says it was fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Now, I like the clearer way that the New Living Translation phrases this. The New Living Translation says of this verse, but Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. I got to carry out what God has asked of me. So John agreed to baptize him. You see? You see, the the simple answer is that it was something that God required, and so Jesus, being the obedient Son of God, obeys the will of his Father as he will do in all things during his earthly ministry. Jesus himself declared in John chapter 4 and verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. God the Father had declared that Jesus was to come. He was to fulfill all righteousness. He was to follow the very prere- the requisites that were required. And, and, and so Jesus says, hey, I, my food, in other words, my very existence, my very sustenance is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was going to obey because God asked it of him. He says in John chapter 6 and verse 38, John chapter 6 and verse 38, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Speaking of the Father again. Look, maybe I should speak for myself, but that we would all have this heart, the heart of Jesus, to, to, to be in submission to God in the same way that Jesus was. I mean, think about this. Jesus was God. I mean, he was one with the Father. He was one with the Spirit. And, and yet, in the role that he, he was sent to fulfill, Jesus submitted himself to the Father's will. That we would do the same as Jesus. That we would have that same heart to simply trust and obey. I think as I say that, of the song we sing in Christianity from time on, if you know the hymn, but I do, to trust and obey, for there's no better way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey, to simply trust and obey, regardless of what it is that God is asking of us, and no matter how much sense what he is asking makes to us in our own minds, that we would simply trust him enough to obey. You know, trust and obedience, they go hand in hand. We will not obey unless we trust, and we need to trust to obey, and so we trust him enough to obey, and we demonstrate that trust through unhesitating obedience to what he's asked of us, even when it's hard. You're reading your Bible, you're studying your Bible, and you're finding in it something that God is asking of you as a Christian, something that's not lining up in your life, and he says, let that go. That's not what I want of you. Do we trust him enough to obey him when our flesh says, no, I want this. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how I can do that. I don't know how that works. I don't see how that's going to work out. I don't see what value that... Do you trust him enough to obey him? Do you trust him enough to obey him when his Holy Spirit speaks into your heart something that's certainly permissible for you, but he has a better way for you? You know, Paul tells us elsewhere in Scripture that, you know, all things are lawful. and not talking about all things being sinful things are lawful. No, he's talking about lawful things of Scripture. All things that are lawful in the Scripture are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful not all things edify do you trust him enough to let those things that don't edify that he he's showing you in your life do you trust him enough to let him go do you, do you trust god enough that when he calls you to step out by faith on something that you'll you'll trust enough to step out by faith yeah, you know, I gotta tell you, when I began this journey to, to, to this work today that's Calvary Chapel here in 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 Hagerstown, you know, when when this first started, I, I had no understanding of what ministry was about. I had no understanding of what it was to be a pastor. And if you would have looked at me and said one day you're gonna be a pastor, I would have laughed at you. I'm a soldier. I was a soldier. And when I got out, I was still going to be connected to things that soldiers were still connected to. I'd I'd, I'd work in a field that was somewhat connected. But to do this, when God called me to this, it was, you know, my flesh said, how can I do this? Me? How do I do this? The Lord said, do you trust me? And my answer is yes, then obey me. Maybe he's saying that to you today. Do you trust me enough to obey me? Whether it's something that he's shown you in his word, or it's a calling he's placed on your life, do you trust me enough to obey me? You know, that truly is where we need to be, as it reflects not just our trust in God, but but it really also reflects our love for him. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, do what you want. No, he didn't say that. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I'm asking of you is what he's saying. If you love me, you'll do that. And so I believe that we need to have the heart of Jesus in this, and he demonstrates it for us. You know, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but it's not just what Jesus says, it's what Jesus does. Jesus said things to us that he wants us to follow, but he also demonstrated those things in his life as well. And, and he did this for us. He's showing us the love of the Father by obeying the Father, and now he says, do as I've done. You see, You So the simplest answer of all is that Jesus submitted to John's baptism simply because God the Father had asked it of him. And yet there's some very practical reasons for his doing this as well. First, he's doing it to affirm John's ministry. By joining the masses and submitting to John's baptism, he was showing approval of what John was doing. By his willingness to submit to John's baptism, Jesus was saying to the watching world that John's ministry was valid, that the things he was pointing to, the things that his ministry were about, they were valid. And like the law, Jesus was now standing there as the fulfillment of these things, even as he participated in it. Second, he was identifying with us. I particularly like this aspect. He was identifying with us. Remember, Scripture tells us that Jesus is our great high priest. Uh, The book of Hebrews is all about that. Jesus is our great high priest. And in the Old Testament, the priest always participated in the ceremonies and the rituals in ways that signified that he was identifying with the people that he ministered to and on behalf of. And as such, our true high priest, Jesus, identified with us by participating in John's baptism. Just as Hebrews 2.17 tells us he would. Hebrews 2.17 says, Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Jesus did this because he was identifying with us. You know, as a former army officer, one of the things that I really relate to this on, because it was important, it was drilled into my head, is that you didn't ask soldiers to do something that you were not willing to do yourself. In fact, by doing it yourself, you were demonstrating for your soldiers the fact that you were doing these things. And so here we see Jesus doing that just for us. A third, he was symbolically demonstrating the ultimate ministry that he would perform for us. Keep in mind that ultimately baptism would become a a symbolic picture. You and I today relate to this picture, but it was a symbolic picture of the death, burial, and resurrection that redeems us of what Jesus would do. So by participating in baptism, Jesus was symbolically foreshadowing his submission to these coming events in his life personally. He would die. He would be buried. He would be resurrected. That baptism speaks, as we talked weeks ago, of those very things. As you go down into the water, it signifies going into death, into the grave with Jesus. He would be buried. When you're covered with that water, it's symbolically representing that that burial. And then as you rise, that you're being resurrected to new life. And so Jesus was demonstrating of what he would do. He was doing it in in anticipation of what's coming. We do it now in the anticipation of its fulfillment and that picture of what was done for us and what's happened to us. And fourth and possibly most importantly, he was being consecrated for his ministry as high priest. Now look, if you know the Old Testament and what it required of the high priest, you know that the book of Exodus requires that in his consecration, his consecration for ministry, the high priest was both washed with water and he was anointed with oil, both. And in this moment, as Jesus stood on the precipice of his ministry uh, beginning, and, and by submitting to baptism, Jesus, our high priest, was being washed with water through John's baptism, and he was being anointed with oil as the Spirit descended upon him. As Matthew, Mark, and now Luke describe the same thing happening as, as Mark fully describes. Here's how Mark says it. It says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 10 and 11, Mark chapter 1 verse 10, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus, our high priest, he descends into the water where he was washed, and as he rises from the water, the oil is now being applied as the Spirit descends upon him. And with the confirmation of the Father upon him, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus now formally begins his high priestly ministry for all of us. And by the way, for... Those who question the triune nature of God, what I mean by that is the Trinity. There are people who also teach that there is no Trinity because they can't find the Word in Scripture. Well, number one, because you can't find the Word in Scripture does not mean that it's invalid. It means we've given a Word to a concept that exists in the Scriptures. And and, and there are those who believe that there is no triune nature of God, but right here it is on full display for us. God in the flesh, submitting as the Son, Jesus. God in the flesh, submitting. God in the Spirit, descending. God in the Father, confirming. All three members of the Trinity present and active in this moment at the start of Jesus' ministry. Not three gods, but three in one. Three persons making up the one of the Trinity, of God himself. All three present. But before we move on, I want you to note one other really important thing Jesus is modeling for us at his physical baptism. Look again at verse 21. We're going back now to the book of Luke chapter 3. Look at verse 21 and 22 again. He says, when all the people were baptized... It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. If you like to mark your Bibles, mark that phrase, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. I want you to note this, Jesus' baptism was about more than just baptism with water but it also involved his baptism with the Spirit. Yeah, Jesus, the the one who John said was coming to baptize men and women with the Holy Spirit and with fire, was himself in this moment baptized with the Holy Spirit that day. Now, that's an interesting turn of events, because why would Jesus possibly need to be baptized with the Spirit? Why? I mean, after all, he's God in the flesh. And as God in the flesh, as such, the Spirit already dwells in him, since he and the Spirit are really one. So why would it be necessary for the Spirit to descend upon him in this moment? I would suggest that it happened for the same reasons that he underwent water baptism. As our high priest, Jesus was being consecrated for ministry. And as mentioned already, the consecration ceremony for the high priest in the Old Testament law included being washed with water, but it also included being anointed with oil. And both of these things were necessary before the priest could even begin his ministry. And so, too, Jesus is symbolically submitting to the same things before he assumes his priestly duties. He's been washed with the water as he submitted to baptism, but now... He's being anointed with the most divine oil of all, the oil of the Holy Spirit. And now he's officially ready to begin his high priestly ministry. In fact, in a verse or two later after this, it even tells us, and now as he began his ministry, this was the moment when Jesus now steps out into his ministry. And remember, his ministry and his first coming that he was fulfilling was that of high priest. And his second coming, he's going to come and fulfill his ministry as king. It's not that he's not a king already. He is, but he will physically come and execute that ministry as well. That's why the Jews got it all confused. They were looking for their Messiah to come as a king like David. They weren't looking for the high priest who would also be the sacrifice of himself in those things. But Jesus is following the pattern. He's following the law, just like the high priest was anointed with oil, washed with water, anointed with oil before he went out to fulfill his ministry. Jesus, now as high priest, is doing as well. But beyond these symbolic meanings associated with all of this, Jesus is doing something else. He's doing something practical and and I think really important for us as believers because what he's doing is he's modeling the relationship that he wants all of us to submit to with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been here a while, you've heard me teach about the three relationships that Scripture indicates that we as believers are to enjoy with God's Spirit, relationships that in many ways have been ignored and even rejected in some cases by Christians. These relations have largely been ignored and even rejected because of misunderstandings of what the Scriptures teach on this important issue and because of the abuses a lot of people have seen associated with it. In particular, there's a lot of ignorance that has led to bad teachings and unwarranted concerns with with scriptural concept referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And sadly, that ignorance has led to a lot of wrong views on both sides of this biblical issue. For example, some people believe and teach that you don't have the Holy Spirit until you've been baptized by the Spirit through a second experience after accepting Christ. And they draw that idea from the biblical account of Pentecost, teaching that you have to come to saving faith in Christ first, and then you need to go and tarry for a period of time after that, waiting for the Spirit to fall upon you in a second experience. Some even teach that you're not really saved until you have that second experience. Oh, you may have placed your faith in Christ, but you're not really saved until that happens. Not all teach that, but some.